if the COVID injections are, as we know, just experimental and vaccine manufacturers are immune from liability for them, what happens when you get sick or permanently injured or even lose your life from the COVID shot? Will your insurance company compensate you? Who is liable? There are many confusing questions today, and to help us answer them, we have a very well-known lawyer and pro-life activist with us, Matt Staver, the founder of Liberty Council. We will be speaking with him about the so-called vaccines, about stacking the Supreme Court, about trafficking in aborted baby body parts, and more. Stay tuned. Matt Staver, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good to be with you. Let's begin, as we always do, with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We are very pleased to uh, speak with you, Matt, uh, because uh, I know Liberty Council is doing so much nowadays. You guys are busy. You'll all get out. Um, there's some confusing things going on. Um, and one of them is this whole notion of stacking the Supreme Court. If you could tell us, A, what exactly that means and how they're going about it and the danger that that is for America. Well, stacking the Supreme Court or court stacking, as it's been known since 1937, when FDR tried to do it, he failed in expanding the Supreme Court from nine justices. And that was bipartisan opposition against him. But unfortunately, what he did was he intimidated the then sitting justices enough that they began ruling in favor of his big government policies that he ultimately tried to stack the court to change the political landscape. Stacking the court or court stacking is expanding the court from nine justices to many, many more justices. And that's what President Biden and other uh, people within the administration are actually promoting is stacking the court because they want to be able to have the opportunity to appoint all of these new justices, five, seven, however many more they want to add. And that would clearly change the balance of power in the Supreme Court forever in our lifetime. It would radicalize the court. It would mean that every policy that Biden and some of the other Democrats are pushing with regards to abortion, LGBT, destroying religious freedom, and much, much more would literally get a rubber stamp at the high court. So it's a very dangerous process And it is very dangerous to our Republican form of government, where we have three branches of government. This would become the dominant and, frankly, the only branch of government that would matter. Right. Now, with this, uh, how are they going about this right now? And what's the likelihood of their success in terms of uh, putting this forward? Well, they're moving now through the House and through the Senate legislation, and they're pushing this. They're now messaging it. Uh, And clearly what they want to do is move this through the system. Uh, And what they need to do is just simply get a vote of the majority in the House and the Senate to do this. Uh, But frankly, I I think Hmm. that there is some opposition that they're going to face, even perhaps from some Democrats in the Senate, like Joe Manchin and some others. So it's going to be a very tough battle, but we can't take it for granted. Let me just give you an example. If you look at Venezuela, The Venezuelan dictator there stacked the court since he stacked the court and then put all these pro-government, pro-socialist type of judges and justices in office. There have been 47,000 rulings, and every one of them have ruled in favor of the government. That's the problem, and that's the threat to our freedom that we face. 
Okay. So what can Americans do right now to fight this? What is Liberty Council doing and how can we support it? Well, our battle is really going to be focusing on the United States Senate. Uh, the majority of Democrats in the House is a very slim number. That number just shrunk even more with the most recent addition of a Republican member of Congress. But they have enough if they ultimately just move in lockstep, and that's what they have been doing. On the Senate side, it's a 50-50 split with a single vote to break that tie from the vice president. So all we need on the Senate side is one or two Democrats to say, no, uh, this is a dangerous threat to freedom. And the reason it is, is because this can be like a, a ping pong back and forth. The Democrats now add five or seven justices. Then the Republicans get control of the House and Senate, and they add five or seven more justices, and it gets completely out of control. And this is what exactly what happened to the Democrats when they removed the filibuster as it relates to judicial appointments. Well, when President mm. Donald Trump became president, he was able to nominate and have confirmed a record number of constitutionalist justices, in, including three justices to the United States Supreme Court and hundreds of judges across the country. So they know that whatever is good for the goose can be good for the gander. And the problem is it really upsets the balance of power and the divided government that our founders clearly envisioned and need to have moving forward to maintain our wow. liberty. Wow. Now, Liberty Council is involved in many, many things, and something just came across my desk from you guys the other day, which I felt truly horrific. Um, it was about forcing the taxpayer funding of trafficking in aborted baby body parts. So Unpack that for us, Trump if you will. issued an executive order that banned that. And of course, we have the Hyde Amendment that goes back all the way to Henry Hyde, very solid pro-life member of Congress, and goes back to the Reagan administration. And that prevents or did prevent federal funding of abortion. However, the Democratic-controlled House and Senate most recently set aside the Hyde Amendment, which means the floodgates are open for federal dollars to fund abortion. And also what they did is they have reversed President Donald Trump's executive order with regards to having federal funds go to this research involving aborted babies. These are aborted babies that have been used and their cell lines are still being used in, in research. We're also talking about tissue. And we know, for example, representing uh, Sandra Merritt against Planned Parenthood, that Planned Parenthood and abortion clinics have profited off of harvesting baby body parts. Some of these body parts, lungs, liver, kidneys, brains, and other parts of the body were harvested while the babies were still alive without any anesthesia. They were removed, whisked off to an, an organization that then sold them to university research facilities for thousands and thousands of dollars, up to $17,000 for these federal uh, funded back then tissues, parts of human babies that were literally extracted, some of which while the babies were alive. That came to an end under President Donald Trump. But the floodgates have now been opened again under Biden and Harris. Uh, this is the most reprehensible thing you can imagine. This is akin to Nazi Germany experimenting on individuals. And then now it is forcing Americans to participate in human genocide and the slaughter and harvesting of body parts from these innocent yeah. children. This sounds so unbelievable because who can believe I mean, it's just, the numbers of abortions are staggering all by themselves. We're, we're killing a million American children a year, every year. But 
this extra macabre it's it's almost hard to believe in fact at lifesite we had a aborted baby part price list many years ago but before the great work that your client sandra Merritt and uh, her partner uh, david delayden did there was no sort of proof and yet they gave just a proof that and of course it tried to be hid by, by the powers that be but it was proof positive showing you the interactions showing you the body parts There's a, it was it was un, it's probably the best undercover investigation ever done in America, period. And that, that's why they want to stifle it. That's why then Attorney General Xavier Becerra and before him, uh, Kamala Harris came after David Daleiden and Sandra Merritt to shut them up because they didn't want the world to know what Planned Parenthood and these abortion clinics were doing. And LifeSite, you've done an amazing job at documenting this information. We now have indisputable proof from these individuals themselves where they describe how they are making these abortion procedures different pulling babies out by their feet while they're alive crushing above crushing below the thorax so they can then make remove intact hearts livers lungs kidneys and even the brains and many other uh, products that they're selling as products with a price list i mean it's unbelievable these uh, organ procurement companies had drop-down screens where you could literally order certain baby body parts from this drop-down screen and it would then give you a price list just like you're ordering shoe sizes and colors and styles. It's unbelievable and yet this is now the new face of the White House and the Department of Human Health and Human Services. They are forcing this, pushing this on America they are opening the floodgates again for these human experiments and these Nazi-esque kind of activities against these innocent children. And they're now forcing every American to become complicit by funding uh, this bloodshed. And what I find truly fascinating is that the cancel culture that we're all seeing now and has been talked about for a long time recently actually started before this with the very people who went after your client, Sandra Merritt. It's unbelievable. It's Kamala Harris. It is Xavier Becerra. Explain, if you would, their connection to your client and their connection in this cancel culture uh, from back in your day when this began with your clients. Well, Kamala Harris was the Attorney General of California at the time that this uh, began, and she's the one who authorized the unconstitutional raid against David Delighton's home to confiscate the remaining computers and information that he had regarding Planned Parenthood and their harvesting of the abortion clinics of these human baby body parts. She then moved into the Senate and she was replaced by another pro-abortion, pro-Planned Parenthood Attorney General Xavier Becerra. In fact, we have a picture of him in a press conference where he has a sign behind him that says, I stand with Planned Parenthood. Both of them were supported by Planned Parenthood with contributions for their campaigns. Both of them are radically pro-abortion. And that's when Becerra then filed these 16 criminal charges, never been done before, against journalists. In fact, it was so outrageous that even the Los Angeles Times editorial board blasted Becerra because they realized, although they don't agree with the pro-life perspective of David and Sandra, they understand the implications to freedom of speech for journalists. And by the way, at the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, we now have amicus briefs from multiple attorneys general in our favor, where we are there, in this case, 
where Planned Parenthood brought this multi-million dollar lawsuit. And even the animal rights organizations have filed briefs in our favor, not because we're on the same page on the specific issue, but because they understand the threat to freedom of speech, particularly for undercover journalism. Yeah, yeah. And the incredible thing is this undercover journalism, which exposed beyond any shadow of a doubt, the truth, the gruesome, horrific truth of what's happening in America and, and uh, which was illegal and now is being not only accepted, but they not only didn't prosecute Planned Parenthood, they went after the journalists themselves in an absolutely unbelievable way. And yet, instead of America being shocked at that, they've become the new face of the White House itself. Yeah, you have uh, Harris now, who began all of this as uh, in the VP position. And now you have Xavier Bracera, who's the head of the, the secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services. Health and Human Services oversees issues like this with regards to abortion funding, different kinds of conscience clause that ultimately came into existence with HHS protecting the rights of conscience of people who wanted to opt out, pharmacists, doctors, healthcare providers, nurses, from participating in abortion or from giving abortion-inducing drugs and devices or even contraception for those that have religious beliefs to the contrary. They were protected under President Donald Trump. Now that is being threatened and they are now being forced to violate their conscience. So it is the most radical kind of uh, leadership in Washington that we've ever seen in America. You know, President, uh, former President Obama was very, very radical on his pro-abortion agenda. But this administration has even exceeded Obama's radicalism. Amazing, amazing. There are many Americans right now who will be watching this thinking, oh my goodness, what can we do? We can't let America go down this road. How can we stop it? What can we still do? Well, obviously we need to always pray and never, ever, 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 ever give up. You know, when we look at stories, for example, from the Old Testament, it was impossible for the Exodus to happen, but it did because God ultimately ordained it. It was impossible for the Jews to survive in Persia when they had that irrevocable decree from the king. But we now celebrate uh, the, the story of Esther and we celebrate uh, the Jewish people celebrate around the world the Feast of Purim to celebrate that victorious occasion. It was impossible for the three Hebrews to walk through the fiery furnace or for Daniel to survive the lion's den. So even in the face of impossible odds, we need to continue to pray, be faithful, and we must speak up. We must never get discouraged. The tactic of the adversary, Satan, is to discourage you, to wear you down mentally so that you literally give up, go home, and give up the fight. We must never, ever give up the fight. We must always speak up. We must always act. Obviously, we pray and we act, and we must always understand that God is in control and that He will not be mocked. But what He wants is a church to stand up, to be the light, and to share this light of the good news of the gospel all over this world, and to stand especially for truth and especially for His little ones. 
Matt, one of the other questions that I wanted to ask you about uh, is, is obviously very controversial today, and that is about the abortion-tainted nature of the vaccines that are being rolled out, in, in many cases that are being pushed and almost forced upon people uh, with the coming, seemingly coming COVID passport and everything else. Give me your take on that, if you would. Well, obviously, there's uh, serious concerns, not only with the very essence of some of these experimental vaccines, and they're still, by the way, as you know, in the experimental phase, but also with their use of aborted fetal cells and tissue in their development and, in some cases, in their implementation. So Pfizer and also Moderna used aborted fetal cell lines in their testing phase. They say that they don't have it in the actual deployment phase, but there's other problems in addition to that. And by the way, the fact that it was even used in testing raises a huge moral issue. Mm -hmm. Johnson & Johnson used it both in their testing phase as well as in the deployment. So every Johnson & Johnson uh, injection that you're gonna get is going to have aborted fetal cell lines. Now that raises a huge moral question about using babies that were literally aborted to uh, have uh, used for these vaccines. And, and you know what, I, I'm really distressed, frankly, about some uh, leaders, Protestant and Catholic, frankly, that have come out and they've essentially said, oh, there's no big deal. This is a, a remote evil. Well, it's an evil. They admit it's an evil, but they say it's a remote evil. Then they try to downplay the fact that these have aborted fetal cell lines. There is no downplaying this. This used human innocent babies, either in the development phase or also in the deployment phase. That is immoral, and that's not something we can compromise on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's it's funny, too, because a lot of people make this, you know, this um, this statement, well, we have to do it because, well, right now, yeah, there might even be health concerns with taking it, but we're not we're not able to continue our jobs or we're not able to travel. We're not able to, um, you know, we have to have freedom. And so in order to do that, we have to take it. And it's funny, you know, my, my wife said to me the other day, she said, is that the same excuse that the women who are contemplating abortion talk about? Well, we, we need to, we're, we're not going to be able to continue our lives. I'll, I'll have to end my job or my school or what's going to happen with the rest of my life. I, 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 so I have to have this pregnancy termination. And yet here we are, Christians, pro-lifers, Catholics, all of us heading down this same road of, oh, are we going to take this now? And that's one of the points that Bishop Athanasius Schneider has made. This acceptance sort of taints the whole church. It, it really does. I mean, we cannot accept this. This is unacceptable. It is immoral. And we cannot accept this as the new normal. We are very much uh, pushing back against these mandatory vaccine passports. First of all, all of the uh, COVID injections, the shots, they're all approved only under an emergency use authorization. They're not federally licensed by the FDA. They're under the EUA which means they haven't had enough time to test and they don't know what the even midterm effects, let alone the long-term effects of any of these drugs are. That also means that under the federal law, you cannot force or coerce anyone to get any of these injections. That includes private employers and government across the board. So that, that is a serious issue to force this. The other thing is that, you know, what we, what we, what we cannot do is sacrifice freedom for 
some supposed safety and security. It's never worked out well in the past for any generation or any society. These vaccine passports and the tracking and tracing apps are more about collecting data and controlling than they are about dealing with any kind of disease or virus. They were in the works long before COVID. They're going to continue after COVID and we cannot accept this as the new normal. We cannot depend upon some QR code on our smartphone or a tracking and tracing app for the freedom to be able to leave our house, to work, to dine, to shop, or to travel, or most particularly to worship. And yet that's mm -hmm. exactly where it's going. And I hope people wake up to see the seriousness of what we're facing. Absolutely. One of the questions, especially from a legal perspective, is this. So these, by those willing to admit the truth, are not approved vaccines. They are experimental. So what then happens with people who do get something from the vaccine? Are they allowed to sue the vaccine maker or will their insurance company cover them for the injuries they receive from the vaccine? That's a great question. You know, back in 1980, under Ronald Reagan, he signed a federal law because the vaccine makers were saying, we're not going to make any vaccines unless you give us absolute immunity. So Congress did, and he signed that into law. So since the 1980s, these pharmaceutical companies have had absolute immunity from any kind of injury caused by vaccines. Now, if they make other drugs outside of vaccines, you can sue them for personal injury. And many of those cases have been huge uh, damage awards, but not for vaccines. Some of these uh, entities that are giving the vaccine under the EUA, they're supposed to give informed consent. And whether they're giving this kind of information is undetermined across the country. Uh, but certainly your employers, uh, people that otherwise are trying to force you to have the vaccine, those would be liable individually for injuries because if they say as a quid pro quo, in order to continue your employment, you have to be vaccinated. And by the way, that's happening all over the country and we're pushing back against these employers. We pushed back against, for example, LSU School of Dentistry because they were forcing it on their students, their faculty and their staff and they ultimately reversed themselves. But those kinds of entities wouldn't mm. be personally liable because they're forcing someone to get a drug that actually is prohibited from being forced by the federal law, which drug we know hmm. has caused adverse reactions, including death. Wow. I, I think that that has to be key in all of this, that the companies need to know that even though the vaccine manufacturers themselves are not liable, when the companies force their employees to get them with threats of not being able to continue employment, they themselves will be held liable and they're on the hook for it. I think that'll change a lot of minds. Yeah, no, I think they, they must know that. In fact, uh, the EEOC has actually come out with some guidance on this issue that you cannot uh, use this as a quid pro quo. You cannot segregate individuals. And even OSHA has come out and they've said, you know, you, you can't segregate people because vaccinated versus unvaccinated because there's no evidence that the vaccinated are not going to transmit COVID. So we don't even know that. Why don't we know that? Because it's too early to know that. Most vaccines take 10 years to develop, five years of which is dedicated towards testing. Now, these vaccines from development until the actual deployment was less than a year. 
There is no way that anybody knows some of the adverse effects of these particular injections. We know some of them already. Some of them are very uh, significant, and some include death. And I actually had a, a friend who did not want to have the injection, uh, but was pressured, 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 and ultimately decided to get the two-shot injection, whether it was Pfizer or Moderna, and 10 days after that last shot, this was a worldwide expert, ultimately succumbed to death um, with no explanation other than what just happened 10 days earlier. This person was otherwise healthy, and we're seeing those kinds of things happening worldwide. Very helpful in clearing up so much of this. God bless you and all your great work. Thank you. God bless.